going to do something this morning. We're not in Romans. I'm going to take a break uh, just for Sunday. Now we'll get it. Uh, and in Romans, we're starting chapter 6, so it's a good t- place to kind of just say, you know, let's talk about a Christmas story this morning. And uh, that handout is the dating thing, the dating of the birth, and uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. More of that is for your information that you can have. But uh, we've uh, Galatians 4 and verse number 4. Over the last couple weeks, I ha- we've been talking about the ladies in the genealogy of the Lord and stuff, and I've made a couple comments, and people have sent in little emails that says, hey, you know, what about this? What about that? Actually, uh, Debbie's question about Mary being 14, and, and said, yeah, I was thinking about that too. How do you know that? Well, when you, it doesn't give her age, but if you think about uh, a... What, what dad in his right mind is going to let his 14-year-old daughter travel over to see Elizabeth when he, she visits Elizabeth? No dad in his right mind is going to do that. Heli doesn't do that. So uh, she's got to be at least 18, 19. Plus, when you look at Israel, <laughs> Israel, they don't do babies, children, young adults. They do children and adults. And that number is at 19 to 21 age. You know, and I don't know any believer that would be marrying a 14-year-old anyway. (laughs) You know, there's a little bit of that going on. So uh, it just seems to me through the logical looking at it that she's she's not that. Um, Bob, there is a handout back there on the back if you guys want one um, and so forth. Galatians 4, uh, we were kind of talking about some of this, and we're just going to look at, I titled this a down on top of the uh, offering box. Uh, a, a, um, I call this a Christmas story. And uh, just really, we did some of this on our Monday night study last week. So uh, Galatians 4, verse 4, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. So when the, this is a great verse by the Apostle Paul here that tells us the issue of how Christ came. Well, he came right on time. And if you come back with me, when he says there the fullness of time was come, uh, God works on a time schedule. He always has done that. And when you go back to Daniel 9 in verse 26, 27 in there, you see the, the issue of the 70 weeks of Daniel, the, the prophetic timeline given. And when he does that, there's a reason for that. And so you have, it starts here with them going back. It runs all the way over to Calvary. And he says, that's 69 weeks, okay? And then we've got the 70th week of Daniel, the tribulation, and so forth. They know that the priests are going to be 33 when they go in. Well, how old was the Lord when... He passed away, 30, when he died, passed away. <laughs> Makes it sound like he didn't resurrect, but he, when he died, cross. Well, he was 33, so they know 69 weeks of years, that's 483. So they can start doing some numbers and get themselves back to relatively the time. And you know that, come back with me to Luke chapter 1, you see that, you understand that, in Luke 2, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 2, in verse 25, you have Simon, uh, and behold, there was a, name, a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And what does is, what is the Holy Ghost tell? Hey, the, 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 that little baby down there at the temple being circumcised, he's the salvation of Israel. Go. Down in verse 36, Luke 2.36, and there was one Anna. And what is Anna doing? She's waiting for the same thing. So there are people who are clearly aware of the time schedule, and they are aware of what's going on. They know what's happening. So Paul says, hey, when the fullness of the time was come, he, he was, Galatians 4.4, made of a woman. And we understand that issue, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 there, the seed line, and, and that uh, 
that development of, of the promise of the coming seed. So he has to be made of a woman. Then he says he was made under the law. And this is where everybody kind of goes, huh? What? Well, go to Romans chapter 15. And, and get, actually go to Matthew 5. Let's just go there. None of this is on that handout because, again, just kind of looking at different things here. Look at Matthew 5. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. He's sitting there, Matthew 5. He just gave them all the Beatitudes, and we're seeing the lifestyle of, of, the, of the citizens of the kingdom. Matthew 5, 17. He says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to what? Fulfill. He was made under the law. He didn't come to destroy the law. He came to do what? Fulfill the law. So when the Lord walks the earth, he's walking under the law, the Mosaic law in that principle. Romans 15, if you look over at Romans 15, verse 8, a verse that we're very familiar with, Romans 15 and verse 8, he says that, uh, Paul says, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Well, if he's the minister of the circumcision, who's that? That's Israel, that's the law. And, and actually, if you keep reading where he says there, and that the Gentiles might glorify, verse 10, and again he saith, and verse 11, again, that's all out of, out of Isaiah there and Psalms and so forth where he's talking about the relationship between Israel and the Gentiles. All because the Lord came, was a minister of the circumcision, fulfilled the promises made unto the Father. So in Galatians 4, where we look there, how did the Lord come? Well, he came right on time. He came uh, uh, made of a woman. John 1, verse 14 over there, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He was right on time. He was, he, he's of the seed of the woman. He's made under the law. So he's right where he's supposed to be. So you're in Romans. Come back over now to Luke. Luke 2. The birth of the Lord. He's born of Mary. And that's a natural birth. It's always fascinating to me. You know, Christmas time, everybody, the birth of Christ. Well, We'll see in, that, in a minute is way, not really in December, but something does happen in late December. The conception issue, we'll talk about all that in just a minute, but his birth. His birth was a natural deal. You look there at Luke 2. You see there in verse 1, And it came to pass in those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Verse 4, And Joseph also went up from... Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judah into the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David. Micah 5 the prophetic scripture says out of Bethlehem Ephatah is going to come the, the, the holy one of Israel. So there you have it. Verse 5 to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife being great with child. And it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and the heavens opened and the angels sang. No, what did she do? She wraps him in swaddling clothes, right? Laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. What does she do? Now, by the way, verse 8, <laughs> the heavens open and the angels sing. They tell the shepherds and so forth. We'll get to that in just a second. But what does she do? She wraps him up, which is what they did when my guys were born. They're out, they spank them, they scream them, they check them, and then what do they do? They wrap them up. And that's a natural deal. Uh, it's a natural thing. Uh, by the way, look over at Matthew 1. Just Just look at Matthew 1. I, that thing about Mary being young and Joseph. Matthew 1, verse 19. Uh, verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together and she was found with child of the Holy Ghost, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a what? Public example. See that? Boy, Joseph was a, he was a gentleman. He was her husband, going to protect her. 
and he kind of puts her away and so forth, uh, and uh, was minded to put her away privately and so forth. All right, go back there to Luke 2, just real quick here. So when you come into the birth of Christ is a natural birth. She wraps him up. She, they, there's no room for them in the end. And that gets to be a great kind of topic of conversation from time to time. And it'll match up with the issue there in, 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 in the Gospels where the foxes have no place to lay, just as the Savior had no place to lay his head. But there's also something else in that that we'll see when the wise men show up. And that's the issue that Joseph and Mary were not wealthy. They were poor. They're up to pay taxes. I know what it is to pay taxes. You know what it is to pay taxes. You know, the quarterlies hurt sometimes. Why? Because you're a little short or something. Well, they're up in the Bethlehem paying taxes. So when they get into town, it isn't that there's no room down at the Motel 6. More than that, there's, there's really there's a, there's a money issue as well. Now, the verse says that there was no room for them in the end, so obviously Motel 6 was full, and we understand that. But there's also a money issue that's going on there as well. So now catch the scene, verse 8. And there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. So the shepherds are there. They're, they're tending flock. They're out, the angels come, and verse 9, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you is, the, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And there shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. What's the sign? The babe wrapped in the swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning, the son, the, uh, concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they heard and seen as it was told unto them. Do you see a star anywhere in what we just read? There's no star there. What was the sign to the shepherds? The baby in the manger wrapped in the swaddling clothes. You see, see, they didn't have a star. Now the wise men are going to have a star. Okay? So we just had those planets get... Did you guys see those planets... We got out front yard with the binoculars, and you could see one and one right behind. And you know what? It didn't look like a star to me. Just bright, two big old bright lights up there. At first, I thought they were airplanes, but then they never moved, you know? So, but the thing is, is everybody says, well, there's a big star over the... But when you read the record, there is no star pointing them the direction, okay? By the way, there's no wise men here either. We're just kind of kicking your Christmas nativity scene, aren't we? Come over to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 2, I'm sorry, Matthew 2. Here are the wise men. Okay, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Matthew 2, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Uh, they, they call, um, Schofield's got a, the visit of the Magi and the wise men. Um, if you come back with me to Esther chapter 1, just a thing here on the wise men. These guys are very interesting when you, you, you kind of got to get a, a little bit out of the scripture for them. But uh, these guys, you can get into some of the handbooks and so forth. Not the commentaries, the, the handbooks are very interesting. Esther chapter 1. How many of you have read Esther? 
Okay, good. Some of you have. <laughs> All right, just checking. Esther chapter 1, look if you will at verse 13. Then the king said to the wise men, which knew the times, for so was the king's manner toward all that knew law and judgment. What do these guys know? They know the times, okay? See? And they know the law, and they know, all, they know the law and judgment. So the wise men, their thing is, is they know the what? The times. Now go back to Matthew 2. Everybody thinks, so the wise men are come from the east to Jerusalem. What is east of Jerusalem, if you think about a map? Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, Iraq, that's where Babylon is, Iran. Yeah, go the right direction. West is the Mediterranean Sea. You'll get wet if you come from the west. But you think about from the east, you get out in that Mesopotamia Peninsula there, you get east. Where are they coming out of? Babylon. Where was Daniel? Think about Daniel and the, and the, the in Daniel 1 there when Nebuchadnezzar sacks Jerusalem that last time and he takes all of the goodly stuff out of Jerusalem. Well, there's some of your wise men. They travel in parties of 25 to 50, not three, because of the day and, and what they were moving. They, had, they needed a security detail. <laughs> they needed a safety team, okay? Because they, they, had, they didn't have, you know, 911 help. They had to deal with stuff on their own. Back to Matthew 2, right? So you think about these guys saying, verse 2, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star, where? In the east. And are come to worship him. Where did they see his star? In the east. Now, you think about Jerusalem. Do you know where Bethlehem is compared to Jerusalem? North. It's north. It's up in the hill country. So when you think about where are they at? They're in the east. They're looking west, but he says, we saw it where? In the east. They're in the east, and what, then they see his star. And that star ends up being that star out of Jacob and so forth, of Jacob's trouble, becomes the issues with the sign of the Son of Man over at the second coming, things like that, all right? They see a star. They've come to worship him. Herod and the guys are excited to see him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. <laughs> they were really excited, okay, to see him. They, they began to ask questions, and the, the chief priests there and the scribes, they said, verse 5, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, that's Micah 5, verse 2, and off they go. So they send them, Herod sends them, verse 7, then Herod went, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. No, see that, what time? Esther 1, they know the times. Okay, what he's looking for is how long ago did you see this? Because this isn't a baby anymore. What's going on here, okay? And when, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently. Notice Herod, for the what? For the young child. He doesn't say baby wrapped in the manger. He says what? Young child. You see, Herod, the wise men know they're not looking for a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. That's the shepherds in the moment. These guys are coming a little later. And what are they looking for? They're looking for a young child. So they go, verse 9, uh, verse 8, by the way. Uh, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Yeah, Herod is a, he's called the old fox, you know. Yeah. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And they saw the star. They rejoiced in, with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the what? The house. See, he's not down at the manger. Joseph and Mary have found a rental house, and they're renting a home now. Joseph is a carpenter. He's found work. They're up and going. But they haven't left Bethlehem. See, they're sitting there. 
They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had, by the way, they worshipped him. They didn't worship her. They worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country way. The young child... If you drop down to verse 16, and when Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coast thereof from two years old and young and under. So the young child, he, he's under the age of two, okay? But he's not a baby anymore. What do we call them? Toddlers, see? So he's, he's at least a year old when these guys show. They come, they go to a house, they're not at the manger scene, they're at the house, they're looking for a, not a baby, but a young child, a toddler, little guy, okay? You look at um, little Bowen walking around here, you know, he's one, <laughs> that's what he's looking for. Then they, they present gifts, three of them, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, gold represents that issue of him being the king. He's uh, 1 Kings 10, back there, he's the king. Frankincense is, is, a, is an interesting thing. Uh, that that rep, Exodus 30, they, that deals with the priesthood, where the, he's in the priestly issues. And then you've got myrrh. John 19, the lady's washing the Lord's feet, and she opens up that bottle. And Judah, Judas has a cow because it's expensive. All these are expensive gifts, but myrrh is, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it, it's a fragrance or a fluid or a perfume, if you will. I'm trying to think of how to describe. It's a liquid that they use around dead bodies and death, okay? And what that one does is that's representing the afflictions of the prophet. So you've got the three gifts, the king, the priest, and the prophet begin to lay out. And you go to John 19, you can study that out and so forth. So the wise men come. They're bringing gifts now that are of... Ex Joseph and Mary won the Powerball. They hit the lottery. Because what's going to happen now in verse 13? And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And be there... Thou, be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. How in the world was he going to find it? I mean, you, when my twins were born, I had to buy a van, full-size Chevy van, to tote all the stuff around. How's he, he, here he is. He doesn't have a Chevy van to load up. He's got a couple donkeys, maybe. At least one for her and the baby to ride on. He's got a wagon hitched to the donkeys or whatever. So how do, you, how do you finance that? Well, look at what just dropped in his lap. Gifts and the financial ability. And when they do this, Mary and Joseph are going to flee into Egypt. But look, look back. The reason they go to Egypt, look over with me to Psalms. 72. And the gifts. All this is connected. Psalm 72. Psalm 72, verse 10. This is a psalm for Solomon. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. That's pictured there in the wise men. So in them coming and bringing the gifts, the, you know, and so forth, that, that literally, Psalm 72 becomes a prophecy about the Messiah coming. Come over to Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah 60. In verse 6, Isaiah 60 and verse 6, the multitude of camels shall cover thee, the, the dromedaries of Medina and Ephah 
All they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense. And they shall show forth the praise of the Lord. That issue of gold and incense, incense, the frankincense, the myrrh, there they are. So you have prophecies, come back to Luke 1, all here about the, the issue of the coming Messiah. So when the wise men show up, you got the birth scene, natural birth, okay? Wraps the baby, swaddling clothes. The shepherds are told, you're looking for a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Year later, roughly, the wise men show up looking for, directed by a star, looking for a young child. They're bringing three gifts that are going to match up and answer all of the prophetic scriptures about what, they're, what the kings of the world are going to do to the Messiah. Fall down, bow down, worship him. Providing economic relief so that Joseph and Mary can now go protect the baby and go to Egypt. And then out of Egypt is going to come the Messiah back into the land of Egypt. By the way, do you know, the Lord says in John, I am the true vine. In Isaiah, the Lord, the, the Jehovah says, I brought my nation out of Egypt. There's a connection there. Moses, they get out of Egypt, but here Joseph and Mary go back to Egypt, and who's coming out of Egypt now? The true vine. So there's all that symbolic, just as Moses did, that Old Testament, that dress rehearsal, guess what? Here comes the real deal, okay? I don't, don't miss all that. There's a lot going on in all that. Now, come back to Luke 1. Because the issue about... Christ and the Christmas story, if you will, here, has to really do about when did Jesus Christ really get born, <laughs> his birth. When does that really happen? When is that taking place? And you find out from about that here in Luke 1. All right? Now, every nativity scene that you, you see now, you understand is completely wrong. <laughs> I can remember... Growing up and going to my grandma Jordan's, and she had the little nativity saint and the three wise men on the camel, and we used to play with them, and she'd yell at us, don't play with that. And we'd play with, you know, the wise men weren't there, okay? Now you understand what's going on. Luke 1, as you, as you begin to think about the birth of Christ and what's going on with that, you, you, are, you go to Scripture, and in Scripture you have the dating system set up, and you're going to go off of Zacharias, John the Baptist, and Elizabeth, John the Baptist family. And in Luke 1, you start, Luke here, he, he, verse 1, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Luke goes in, Verse 3, it seemed good to me also. Luke, Dr. Luke goes in, he has eyewitness interviews of all of the people and the players in the scene. So much so, if you look over at chapter 2 there, verse 19, we read it a minute ago. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. When Matthew writes about this, he doesn't write about all this detail. Okay? Because there's an issue in Matthew presenting the Lord as a king that we don't need all the detail. We just need to make sure he is in the lineage of the king. <laughs> is he truly of the birthright? Luke is a doctor. He sits with Mary and says, okay, Mary, talk to me. Tell me what's going on. What, was, what were you thinking when Gabriel showed up? What was going on? And he began, and first though, he went and talked to Zacharias and Elizabeth. He gets their information. So, verse 5, There was in the days of Herod the king of Judah a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So, you got, you got the priest issue. And they were both uh, righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless, and they had no child, 
being that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course. Now, there's some information here that's going to be important with finding out when this is taking place and where this is taking place. Uh, According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of the incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. So there's an issue here that Zacharias is down in Jerusalem. He's in the temple. He's, He's there, but he's there on his course when it's his week to be in there, and his lot in that week of, of, that's his is to burn incense. It's, so he's doing something very specific, and he does it for the week. He's doing it, verse 5 says, of the course of Abiah. That's a, th- there's our timing click. Now you've got that handout. You can kind of follow along. Come back to 1 Chronicles 24. 1 Chronicles 24. And that becomes the click here in understanding when all of this is to transpire and when this is to happen. Luke 24, if you will. I'm sorry, 1 Chronicles 24. My bad. 1 Chronicles 24. 1 Chronicles 24. Hang on, i got to find the Leviticus passage. Okay. you got 1 Chronicles 24, verse 1. Now these are the divisions of the sons of Aaron. The sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu died before their father and had no children. Therefore Eleazar and Ithamar executed the priest's office, and David distributed them. Aaron's four boys, two are dead. The other two boys have descendants. However, one's got more kids than the other, so David, and so there's not a, not a rivalry between the siblings. David, the king, sets them out. Drop down to verse uh, 5 and 6 there. You see him do it. Verse 7, now the first lot came forth, to those guys, you see that? The first lot, the first week, all right? You got that? See that first lot? Come over to Leviticus 23. <clears throat> Leviticus 23 and verse 5. Leviticus 23 and verse 5. Watch where this stuff starts. In the 14th day of the first month, even the Lord's Passover. The 14th day starts what? Passover. Okay, right? Now, come over to Exodus 12. Exodus 12. Exodus 12. Exodus 12 and verse 1. Exodus 12 and verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. All right, so what month is that? Chapter 13. Chapter 13, verse 3. Exodus 13, 3. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by, strength of, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place, and there shall no leavened bread be eaten. And this day came ye out in the month, what? Abib. Go back over there to 1 Chronicles 24. This is Abib. Or you'll see it called Nisan. All right? Now, again... You pull out the ushered books. You pull out all the handbooks. This equates out to roughly our April. It's springtime, okay? We're going to call it April. Can we call it April? Thank you. 
I call it April. You can call it whatever you like. Late March, early April. But it's the 14th day, so it's the middle of the month, so it can't be late March. It's what? Mid. But it's April, okay? The 14th day is the beginning of what? Their calendar. It's, it's this Israel's calendar doesn't start January. It starts April. Now go back here to 1 Chronicles 24. The first lot, these guys, they're in verse 7. Now the first lot came. So the week of the 14th, there's going to be some guys in the temple doing some stuff. Okay? Now notice the second uh, verse uh, 7. The second to Jedediah, verse 8, the third, the fourth, verse 9, the fifth, the sixth, verse 10, the seventh, the eighth is to who? Of, of Abiah there. Now, A-B-I-J-A-H is the Abiah in Luke 1. You got Hebrew to English, you got a little spelling difference. Okay? Eight weeks later, all right? So what's eight weeks later? Come on. Mid-June, we're going to say 14th to 9th, mid-June, okay? What, who's in the, go back to Luke 1. Go back to Luke 1. Who's, in, who's up in the temple doing his job and burning incense? Zacharias. And Elizabeth. Okay? Now, Luke, Luke 1. By the way, we read down through there, verse 11, the angel of the Lord standing on the right side. Zacharias sees him and he's what? Troubled. And fear fell upon him. For the first time in just about 400 years, the Lord from heaven has spoken. He's been silent. From Malachi to Matthew, in, Ma in, in the minor prophets over there toward the end, he says, there's going to be a famine of my word in the land. And it runs out. In the Could you imagine being the first guy to see an angel in over 400 years? <laughs> You'd be a little troubled too. So he has an issue here, verse 13, but the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Isn't that interesting? So he goes. Um, verse 14, And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his, mother, his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him, the Lord, in the spirit and the power of Elias, that's Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's exactly what he is, a crier in the wilderness. There he is, Matthew 3, okay? And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And you know what happens? He can't speak. Everybody's wondering, why, what's wrong with him? What's going on? Verse 23, And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord hath dealt with me in the days wherein he looketh on me to take away my reproach among men. So he does his time. He lives, verse 39, they live in the hill country in the city of Judah there. So give him a couple days. He's an old man. He's well stricken in years, he says. He doesn't have an Uber. He doesn't have a, a Tesla to get there. He's got to do what? He's got to get there on foot or donkey. So give him a couple days to get home, right? So we got 19. If you just do it, 19, give him 20, 
21, 22, right in there. Now he's got to go in and convince Elizabeth about what the angel said was going to happen. Now that's a day of arguing, calling him names, okay, right? Finally she, she goes, well, okay, let's see what happens. <laughs> All right, so where are we? We're in this later time here in June, aren't we? Where John the Baptist is conceived. She hides herself how many months there? Five months. So what's June? Five months. So now we are November late. Let's just go like that. Right? We're late November. What's wrong? Okay. You guys giggling at me over there. Okay. Okay, verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. What's six months? If five is November, we're in December, aren't we? But we're late in December. We're around this time period in late December now. Gabriel goes to who? To Mary. Was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man who, whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the, Mary's, and, and the Mary, and the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth the Son, and, thou shalt, and shalt call his name Jesus. Jesus is one of the eight peop, seven or eight people named prior to birth. John was too, by the way. Um, verse 32, He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, uh, and the Lord... Uh, God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom shall there be no end. Then, Mary, uh, then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that, hol that, that uh, holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. See how her response was a little different than Zacharias? The men are hard-headed. The women are like, yep, Lord, whatever you want to do, let's do it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing. The men kind of sit there and kind of, you know, what? 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 You know, and the ladies just right there. It's amazing to me. So where are we when this happens? We're late December with the conception. And that's really the true miracle of this time of year is the, true, is the conception, not his birth. Okay? Now, keep going. Verse 39. And, in those and Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste. Luke, I'm in Luke 1. Guys, I'm sorry, you guys there. Luke 1, verse 39. Went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, isn't that what the angel told Zacharias was going to happen? John was going to be there. You're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice. And then she goes down through verse 56, and there's this great oration. We talked last week about Mary and what Mary knew, and, and where Mary goes through all those psalms and all those prophetic scriptures about who she is as our, the handmaiden of the Lord, and, but really who she's going to give birth to, the Savior, her Savior. And we went all the way down, verse 56. Kind of jump ahead here a little bit, okay? Verse 56, and Mary abode with her about how long? So November, December, three months is going to be what? March, right? What happened, in, what happened in March? Verse 57, now Elizabeth's full time came that she brought, she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son, 
So John, old JB, John the Baptist, he's born, again, this is late, right? Because we're going off of this, roughly. Late. Okay? John's born. Well, if she's six months, the conception is in December, what's nine months later? So the Lord gets born late September. There's, uh, come on, there's Jesus Christ. Okay, chapter 2, verse 6. By the way, go back there in Luke 1. Elizabeth delivers the son, right? Verse 59, and it came to pass, and on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. Isn't that interesting? Then, but what was to happen to Zacharias? What was to happen? He's dumb. He can't speak. He's over here with cue cards, <laughs> just PowerPoint, trying to get everybody's attention. Well, verse 70, well, verse 67, and his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, and then he does this wonderful orientation here about the coming Messiah him fulfilling scripture, him fulfilling the prophets, delivering Israel, and marching off into the kingdom. Verse, 50, verse 80, And the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit and was in the desert till the day of his showing unto Israel. Chapter 2, verse 6, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. There is Mary, and she brought forth her firstborn son. Late September is really when the birth of Christ is happening. The miracle in late December is the conception. Okay? So then what began to happen here? Well, what did the religions of the world do? They are operating under the course of the world, the course of satanic policy of evil. So what did they do? Let's hide this, the conception, because that's a virgin birth, that's a supernatural event, by moving birth to here for our winter solstice, and we'll just put it all together. And so they amalgamated it all together. And what do you have? The reason for the season. Today you have so much commercialism in it, it's, it's pretty pathetic, you know. Now, late September, that's a good reason for the shepherds to be out in the field tending their flock. If it's December, guess what? It was 39 degrees at my house this morning. They're not out in the field. I read a, an, uh, an article many years ago after we first moved here about Israel and climate comparisons to America, and Phoenix was, was the number one on the list. Literally, if you stood at South Mountain and looked to, to uh, Superstition Spring, or the Superstition Mountains, Israel, Israel will fit inside of those two hills. That's how small it is, the Israel today, okay? So when you hear them talk about bombing each other, it's not very far. They're all uh, with the Gaza Strip and everything. But the thing is, is their, their temperature, their climate was very arid, very dry, same as ours. Now, ours has changed because of the, the urban sprawl and the buildup. We're hotter now than we were 10 years ago because of the asphalt and the concrete and everything. Israel isn't that way. I would rather be outside late in the evening in September than last night on the back patio without a fire going. <laughs> All right? So when you think about where these guys are, that's where we're at. So the real Christmas story isn't the nativity scene with the shepherds there. The wise men don't show up till about a year later. They come to the house. Okay? 
the real thing here, come over with me to Galatians 6. The real issue in all of this, and we'll close with this here in Galatians 6. The key dating is the issue with Zacharias. He's eight weeks after Passover. He's mid-June doing his job. Okay? Gets home, takes a couple days to get home, takes a couple days to convince Elizabeth. Makes that late June, and then, then it be just nature is going to take its course. Okay? For you and I, for us, Galatians 6.14 is where we're at. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. We don't celebrate his birth. Rather, we celebrate his what? His death, burial, and resurrection. That's what we celebrate. And we do it every day. So when Easter shows up and pastors speak, it's called CEOs. Christmas and Easter only. And the question usually happens around the table is how many CEOs do you have? Okay? We celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection every day, not just one time a year. So guess what? We can have our family traditions. I like ours, our family. You have yours. And guess what? There ain't nothing wrong with it. There isn't. Okay? As long as your focus is where? It's not about his birth. Here's his birth. It's about the death, burial, and resurrection. Okay? It's a wonderful time. We have a house in our neighborhood that leaves our Christmas lights up year-round. And they leave them on year-round. Until the last couple years, they haven't. They've had to, I think the HOA finally got on them. Or they died or something, because now they're not on. They're not even on this year, so something happened, (laughs) you know. And it was a fascinating thing to see year-round Christmas lights on, you know. Well, why? That's what they like to do. So you can do it. I know you can go back in the Old Testament and look, look at the Christ, what is called the Christmas tree and all that stuff. And that's fine. And if you choose to do that, that's okay. But what do we really celebrate? His death, burial, and resurrection. Okay? So that's the Christmas story out of Scripture. All right? Okay, any questions? None? Crickets. Whew. I didn't leave anybody guessing or anything. So, All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for coming, for becoming a man, for walking the earth, fulfilling Israel's prophetic program, for going to Calvary and for dying, for the sinners of the world, for reaching down and saving Saul of Tarsus on the road and making that message available to all men. And Lord, I just thank you for that, for the blessings that we have in you, for the information and the ability to learn it and to read it and to study it here from your scriptures. And as we go day by day and as we set family traditions, we'll do it with the right foundation of who we are in your son. In your name we pray, amen. All right, we'll see you back.